Filmmaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre, and today my guest is Molly Connolly. Hello, Matt. I'm excited to be here. You've been on the podcast lots of times, all of my podcasts. That's <laughs> because we love to talk, don't That's we? That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, and our topic today is going to be about um, nonprofits and how to work with nonprofit companies. I have a whole bunch of questions for you about the subject, but what's what's your take on this? Um, great. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it because uh, particularly at this year's DevCon, we were talking a lot about the difference between there's a lot of people that want to do pro bono work. So maybe we distinguish between uh, a pro bono project and, you know, in general working with nonprofit. There's some similarities, but with a pro bono, I feel like you have to be a lot um, a lot more deliberate in what your actions are and in assessing what kind of project you're able to really provide value for. Right. And I think pro bono is what I meant because you could do pro bono work for a company that's a for-profit, you know, to help like a, a veteran or somebody that you really care about to get yeah. off the ground. But yeah. Really, so let's, but, let's just talk about that then. Just like if you are offering free services, what does that mean? And exactly. how can you be successful? Right. Because if you're working with a client who's paying you, then um, there's kind of no risk for you. But there's also like a really, really high chance of the, that the application is going to be successful because they value it because they're paying for it. Yeah. You know and, for sure it's exactly what they want. And I think a lot of times we go into a pro bono situation saying, oh, you know, you, you, we walk around as database developers and we see things that can be improved. You know, you have a conversation at a dinner party and you're like, man, I could fix that. Oh, yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. After doing this a long time, a vision pops into your head, a data model pops into your head, a user interface pops into your head, yeah. and you're super frustrated because you can't build it in two seconds because mm -hmm. you know exactly what it needs to do. Yeah. And so the question is, I think there's so many of us that want to make that impact. We want to leverage our skill. It's rewarding to do something. Again, like you said, whoever is important to you or whatever organization is important to you, you want to make that contribution. And the mistake, and I'm going to just say it right now, the mistake I've made a lot of times is saying, great, I'm going to help you with that. Well, then I get halfway through it and they're calling me every day and they're incredibly needy. Right. Because suddenly I've created I've done this before where I've created a tool where they're really dependent on me. It's not fully fleshed out and locked down because it was a free project and I kind of ran out of time. Um, so I, I think there's a you know, you have to use your absolute best project management skills on a pro bono project because, um, you know, you think, oh, I'll just deliver this vision and then they'll work with it. So when uh, you work with companies, um, do yeah. they, because uh, you're, you're, you're you and a couple people. Mm -hmm. So when you, yes, like in larger steps. organizations that you work with, when they do pro bono work, do they do, um, do they put it into their regular project management and treat it like a normal billable client? Yes. And, and that's another thing that you're right. You have to do that. You have to pay attention to like how much time you're going to spend with it. You have to apply a project management process. You have to set deadlines. Um, because even though that, that pro bono project, they're probably going to be more lax about, they know it's going to take you longer. You don't want to stretch it out forever. And you also don't want them to take forever to get you the specs that you need so that you can complete it and get something up and running. So, I mean, that's a perfect place to start to say, you've got to, You've got to implement your day-to-day -day project management processes. But the other thing I've started doing is kind of going through a questionnaire of saying, 
there's a lot of causes I'd like to work with, right? So how do I, if I'm looking at a bunch of opportunities, I try to find things that, what's a discrete project? You know, not a long, ongoing, let me develop, you know, the multitude of things that would help this particular project thrive. It's a discrete um, deliverable. Can I give you a calendar solution? Can I give you something to solve this particular problem? Because I think... Um, because I think that you need a beginning and an end in a pro bono project. Have you had any where you get stuck, you know, where like they're calling you three years later to support kind of an obscure system you've set up, and then by that time you're past it. You're you're swamped with other things, and you don't necessarily have the uh, the same energy to to put into working on that system. Um, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I haven't done a whole lot of pro bono work yet and I'm, I'm starting a couple now because we're at the point at, at this at AppWorks where uh, I really want to start doing them and I want to make sure they're successful so what well, you're I'm describing is something you. what you're I'm describing save is, you some are, problems. are you good please 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 <laughs> so what you're describing is something we certainly have had happen with lots of customers over the years where time goes by you forget their system and they call for support and stuff like that I don't mind that um, I, yeah. I, I, I love long-term relationships with customers. It's different, though, when it is long-term free. Yeah, long-term free. So they call you after three years, and they still expect it's going to be free. So what's your? do you have, do you have like, some overarching advice? Like, Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, one is you can also just know that that's an expectation. Like, if you're going into it, um, again, if I try and frame a project, there's a couple things that I say, okay, uh, again, is it this? It's not, um, oh, I'm going to help you with your agency workflow. That's too big, right? Because that could go on forever. And that is a long-term project. And you have to decide how much you're able to allocate. Um, Again, if you've got a lot of extra time on your hands and you're really generous, that's one thing. But I will tell you right now, you're going to get every FileMaker developer gets too busy. And when you're too busy, the first one to drop is going to be that pro bono client. Or, and then or the lowest rate one, even if, because if you do a reduced rate or however you do that. Yeah. And so then, you know, then you can feel resentful and frustrated. So again, um, initially try and pick a discrete project. I'm going to get this up and running. And then the next thing is to really qualify. Again, if you're picking, have I picked an organization where there's a discrete project and there's a, there's a direct project contact for me who I'm going to train and that person is then going to maintain the system. Okay. And this is what we had a lot of talks about at DevCon was, all right, is this something that we as a FileMaker community could share a little bit, right? Because there's kind of the, the ongoing support role. One, we could develop best practices for how to hand off a hand off a particular solution and make sure you've got an internal person, which, you know, which again helps across the board. But the question with some of these nonprofits is a lot of them are going to need long-term support. And if, you know, Little Shop Bali and... 10 other people have a bunch of these, is there a way that we could consolidate like base level support? Because usually the base level support is logging in, making a new report, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, that would be, that'd be a pretty big collaboration. But the point is uh, there's typically a support role that is very difficult uh, for an individual or a small organization to continue to support. Um, and unless you can really hand it back to the nonprofit, they're either not going to use it they're either not going to use it or there's going to be kind of a building resentment. So um, 
Sorry, hmm. throwing out a whole bunch of stuff, but I think, uh, you know, on the yeah, one hand, yeah, they're making a bunch of ideas occur to me. Like, yeah, like, you could like say, a, okay, are you, are you suggesting like a group of companies who do nonprofit work could band together and help each other's clients, knowing that the work is is free, so it's no, there's no overlap or competition for billing or anything like that. Yeah, because and I don't know. Again, I mean, we've got a pretty collaborative community, and there's a lot of people who do have junior developers. So one of the things that I've been trying to pursue is to say, you know, a lot of times you've brought somebody on new, and you don't really have a live, active project for them to work on. So you're kind of making make work to teach them FileMaker. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be a situation where you say, you know what, I want to do some pro bono work, and I'll check their work and make sure I'm delivering high quality, but it's okay mm-hmm. with me if that junior takes 10 hours to do something that would take me a half hour, because now they're learning something, and they're not they're not billing yet anyway. So that's kind of mm-hmm. where I was going along the lines of maybe it's leveraging junior development resources, again, building a portfolio, building different experience. Um, that's and, I was thinking like the pro bono work would be like work that I would do after hours and evenings and <laughs> weekends and stuff like that. And, you know, the most senior person in the company doing the coding. Yeah, well it is, <laughs> but, you're, but, you're, but the thing that you could leverage is, again, if you've got, uh, you know, if it's another way for you to pass down your knowledge. Here's a some of these some of the pro bono projects, and then again, they're the ones you think of at a dinner party where you're like, oh my gosh, that'd be so easy. They're using an Excel spreadsheet, and I could make their lives so much better in about eight that. hours. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about licensing and other overhead stuff, right? So all of our customers now have five or more user FileMaker licenses. So that's um, that's nine hundred dollars or five if they're nonprofit per year, right. and a hosted server, and that's you know varies. Well, it varies, but we, we sell those to our customers for starting at $80 a month yeah. for a dedicated AWS box with backups and all the other stuff. Um, and so that's real money. I mean, it's not super expensive, but it's not nothing. It is. I think that's a great point because when you talk to somebody and say, hey, I'm willing to donate work and I'm really willing to you know build something for you, you have to make sure to be upfront about what their ongoing costs are going to be. And you might the first time say, yeah, I'm going to cover this. This is really important to me. But if they're going to use it for any kind of long term, you need to have them buy into that and figure out what the what their method of supporting that will be. Right. Because, I mean, we work with a lot of nonprofits who actually have budget and pay us a regular rate mm-hmm. um, and, <coughs> and buy servers and pay for consulting and all that stuff. I mean, there are nonprofits that are gigantic and have budgets of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, you know. The other thing I would recommend, too, is, I mean, again, there's a lot of times where it's a real discrete project. It's a 15-hour project. You're going to knock out a contact database form so they can get this big mailing done, right? Or they're going to integrate with their event planning system or their fundraising system. Or mm-hmm. you're going to get them past uh, a hurdle that FileMaker can get in there and help them clean up the data and get them to the next place they need to be. Right. But if it's bigger than that, so let's say I did say like, oh, a discrete project. Let's say you take on, I want to be a resource to you because I really believe in your mission and I want to be a long-term resource to you. I would suggest that you come up with a rate, even if it is a discounted rate. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah. And the other thing you could say is, okay, we've talked about what this project will be and we think it's going to, you know, we're going to donate 50 hours. We think that'll cover, you know, all of this plus probably 10 hours of support. After that, 
you know, and our goal is to get somebody internally trained. After that, if you need us, our nonprofit rate is this. And again, if we're talking about what we're trying to do is frame this client to really value your time, whereas there is a tendency, and I keep saying nonprofits, but I think there's a tendency there that they are used to getting volunteer resources and they do have different priorities. Mm-hmm. So they might not pay as much attention to, you know, your time, your budget. You're right. trying to, you know, it doesn't cost them anything. I think you were bringing up, uh, there was a question about like, you know, how do you get them to actively engage in the process? Um, yeah, how do you, to own it, right? So like when you, you brought up a point earlier also, which I think is directly related to getting them to engage, which is for our, for our paying customers, we insist that they have like a contact person who really knows it and that, and that they, their requirement, we ask of them to, to get pretty adept at FileMaker so they can take over some small stuff and, and understand it, right? So they actually understand the licenses and maybe the server admin console or, you know, some level of it, they actually go out of their way to learn something mm-hmm. so that they can manage the project well. And they're not, and you don't just spoon feed them. Because, um, I think I could see stepping into that mistake with a pro bono. Yeah. And it's uh, and again, it's easy to cut corners. You know, the other thing is just about the the development method. Like depending on what you're delivering to them, um, I might choose a much simple a much simpler data model, mm-hmm. right? Like if in general, like you know, for maybe I'm always following, I'm normalizing the data for any typical project that I work on. Right. You know, contacts. But if it's a real basic system, and it's a pro bono job, I might just flatten it out so they can figure it out. You know, they're not yeah. gonna, they can just pull the field from one table. They're not, they're not, you don't have to teach them how to pull over to the other tables, the phone table, the email table, something right. like that. So there's, there's different approaches you can use in terms of how you set it up as well. well. I mean, that, you know, that's all real, that's just a budget constraint. Like if you had a customer that said, we have a project, but our entire budget's 20 hours, you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't overly normalize that or overly, you know, build it, build out the user interface. Um, but if they said our budget's two thousand hours, it's a whole different kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, it kind of comes back to you know we could have made this a, a one sentence podcast where it's like, hey, even if you're doing pro bono work, you've got to use your project management processes to be right. successful. Well, that's actually <laughs> I mean, not that's not obvious. Yeah, it's so, not because you think yeah, it's free. Discussion. I'm helping out. I remember mm-hmm. um, years ago. Uh, one of my buddies was like, "Yeah, I'm making a project for my neighbor who works at my kid's school, and it really got in the way of their neighborliness <laughs> because, oh you know, because it was like, you know, it was yeah. like my dad calling every 20 minutes to ask me how to, you know, turn the computer on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so setting setting some parameters and setting it up as a project and how do you what's the change? Yeah. I I did want to throw out because um, you and I talked a little bit about. Uh, and I talked to a few other people, and Marty Thomason is doing a really big project. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and one of his constraints is like, I mean, he, where, I can't remember where it is. It's like Papua New Guinea or something. So mm-hmm. one of his constraints is he's taking to, you know, two, three weeks at a time to go over there to help support this implementation he had. Um, so one of, that's one of the questions where it's like, how do, you, you know, how do you train people? How do you get them so they're self-sufficient? Right. Um, Maka and Kanakara. Kao? Did I say that right? I She's. It was, I thought it was in Kernasau. Great. From well, Chile. we're gonna have to ask her. She's gonna listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she is leading, you know, uh, 
a pro bono projects at Saliant. And one of the things she talks about as well is like, you know, how do you best deliver that? And how do you reduce the dependency? And how do you, um, you know, make, make sure you're delivering. So anyway, I was thinking there's a lot of people who are doing this. And again, if we could come up with some best practices, um, again, in terms of handover, mm-hmm. um, the other thing would be, I'm really interested particularly because of how fast FileMaker is to develop, I'm interested, and we've talked about this, in emergency situations, right? Yeah, you and I have talked so many times over the years when there's something bad going on in the world, like how can FileMaker help, you know? Yeah, because you think of it, you know, the same thing. You think there's a there's a data model for that, right? Whether it's, you know, we know there were FileMaker people helping out at 9-11 and Katrina and a lot of these major disasters. Right. And so I'd love to be able to somehow put that together so that when there is something, we have more le- legitimacy as FileMaker developers right. to say, listen, we really can solve this. And the reason you want us is because I can do it in a week, whereas somebody else, it could take it could take months. Right. I mean, think of the development time involved. So I actually, in, in the public health work that I do, um, there's a preparedness department that's specific, like in the building that I work in a lot, um, that specifically has a whole bunch of very highly trained people and procedures and policies and all this stuff in place if there's something that happens like a flood or an earthquake or a natural disaster. And I, I've, I've watched them mobilize. Yeah. When we had, uh, I guess I'm thinking about more of the disease outbreak type stuff. Like when we had the H1N1 thing, I think that was what, 2008? Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the swine flu or bird flu kind of thing? Oh, yeah. And, and they start closing schools and they start you know, figuring out how to do that. You have no idea the well-oiled machine that pops into place immediately when something like that happens at the public health uh, government I, level. You, see, I you love hearing you that. You don't see it because you're a member of the public, but I tell you, I've been in the room and watched a phone call come in where someone says, yeah, we've got so-and-so student who's sick. Three people confer and make a phone call and the school gets shut down in 10 seconds. All those kids get home, get sent home from school. And you go, wow, that was absolutely the right call. And it was made by the right people who knew exactly what was going on with the evidence and the information in front of them to make the correct decision. And they made it with complete executive authority that you never would guess. Well, and this is brilliant. I mean, those are the people we want to talk to. Right. Because so, so that's, what, are, like, what are the unique needs that pop up in a situation that can't be done by their well-oiled machine? Yeah. And they need some other thing to... Or are there other organizations that they just don't have that expertise? I mean, th- this summer, I was trying desperately to help with uh, the immigrant children who were separated from their families. Right. And that yes. whole thing, it, it, you know, you heard about it on the news and every single FileMaker developer in the world was like, there's no way we can't find the mom and the kid and put them back together. You know what I mean? Like, I know, I don't, I know. And so, you know, it's a simple situation. It's a, it's a technology issue. It's an integration issue. And of course, that whole thing had never been dealt with before. And so it's still ongoing and there's different ways that it's been handled. But the question is there is like, um, Again, if we have a community that can say, not only do we have the skills, but we also have contacts like yours who already know, you know, just deep expertise in logistics. I just feel like if we could tap into those kind of people and say, hey, what else could you use, you know, given any different scenario that we could spin up quickly? I mean, think of how fast we can make an app. Yeah. 
Like it's, you know, it is, it's immediate. And I would love to see it in our, our workplace innovation platform for FileMaker to be seen as a tool that says, hey, you know, we, we've illustrated this working with experts um, to spin up solutions that can quickly and, and easily address emergency situations. So that's what's on my mind these days, Matt. That's good stuff. I mean, it's, it's more than just the development and FileMaker part of it too, right? Because it's, uh, we can spin up a server and yeah. a unique domain name and SSL cert and, you know, and, and create a database and put some security on it in an hour Yeah. and have the startings of it so people can log in. And that, this is a huge model for WebDirect, but then you've got other stuff like, okay, what about licensing? And <laughs> right. Um, and all, and all that... All that comes into play, but I'd I'd love to maybe tap into some more experts, um, like you talked about. Just just I mean, people who are experts in logistics. You know, how do you get? How, how do you make those phone calls? How do you know who to call? How do you you know? How do we best develop that? And you can again, you can think of a million data models that we can implement quickly. So, so how, I don't do, know, how I think, do you want people to contact you if they have ideas about this and want to share? Either ask yeah. questions or answer some of them. I, I love that. So um, my company is Thorson Consulting. So it's T-H-O-R-S-E-N consulting.com. And they could just email me, molly at thorsonconsulting.com. And I am going to put some things out on the FileMaker community boards. Um, Maka and I are kind of working together to say, hey, who else is interested in this? Who can share some ideas? And how? And maybe we'll spin up a couple webinars or discussion groups because um, I just think there's people doing great things out there, and I'd love to be able to kind of leverage what we're all doing hmm yeah I, I am looking for information looking to participate in stuff like this it's, it's super important uh, you know to not just do stuff to make money but also reach out and find things you care about and help the world make it a better place you know I agree I agree it's fulfilling you know I mean it's you know there's a million ways you can you can volunteer your time but I love being able to say hey here's a piece of expertise I have that's you know more exciting for me or more challenging than just writing a check right. basically yeah but then I think I think the whole thing that started this off is there's techniques and approaches and ways to do it that are going to make it more likely to be successful and to be a deployed adopted solution that users love for years and years and years that's what I really want to, to try to make sure happens I, I just made the title of our white paper Matt it's the it's the FileMaker Developer's Guide to Pro Bono Services. Good, I like it. Let's do it. I like making commitments that other people might actually hear and hold me accountable for yeah, too. You put, it, you put it online and people are like, hey Molly, so that thing you talked about four years ago, <laughs> is it done yet? Yeah, how's that white paper coming along? It should be about four pages. I'm gonna get it done. <laughs> I've never actually done a white paper on the FileMaker community. Have you? Um. I don't think I have. I've done some webinars. Well, yeah, my how to hire a junior developer. Oh, there you go. So you've yeah. got track record. Yeah, so maybe we could crank crank some of that out. That'd be good. I'd love to help with that. All right. We'll write. We'll co-write it. There. Now I've made a commitment. Yes, <laughs> I've got you online. <laughs> I've got you captured in video. Well, this is great. Yes, always good to talk to you. All right. I hope you have a great week, and uh, I'm going to be following up with you next week to work on our white paper. Sounds good. Let's do it. Thank you.